0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmur's Day, July 4th, 2022. Happy Independence Day, America, or for our friends up north, the fourth day of Canada Day. The appropriate gift for your true love up north is, of course, for Shania a singing. <laughs> <laughs> On the show today, news and surveys. Then in our main segment, Jim tells us how Epcot's Maelstrom ride was converted into a Frozen-themed attraction for its recent sixth anniversary. Let's get started by bringing in the man who, in 1814, looked up at the night sky and said, Francis, those stars are spangling. Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Okay. <laughs> I've, cra- I've, I've cracked you up
1: three times in three sentences. <laughs> and again, I appreciate that. Though, I think if we look at Francis, you know, first of all, again, the, the, the lyrics to The Star-Spangled Banner. Uh, first of all, this is proof positive. The musicians are crazy. All right? You know, oh, yeah. Because again, l- the song actually uses the phrase mm. bombs bursting in air. You know, when a normal person would think, you know, maybe I should get cover, you know? But it's like,
0: no. <laughs> He's standing outside watching this. He's like, no, let me see how this thing ends. Yeah. And he stayed up all night for it too, right? Well,
1: and, and the, <laughs> the other part of the story that never really gets talked about, Len, is that Francis Scott Key was a lawyer and amateur poet. So again, star Banner written by an amateur poet. But more to the point... Think about that primary job there, lawyer. Okay, I'm thinking that Francis sat up all night looking out at Fort Sumter because he was thinking, "Ooh, possibly a property damage, could you know, lawsuit. You know, like, <laughs> I could be the first through the door here." You know, so, <laughs> so. I'm,
0: su- I'm surprised the uh, the Star Spangled Banner doesn't include the wor- include the word "notwithstanding." There we go. <laughs> okay. All right. all right, before we get started with the show, Jim, let's do a quick shout-out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Shannon Lee, Matt McMahon, and Randall Jamerson, and longtime subscribers, Eric Lancy, Jeff Mallet, and Jeff Swarrington, Jim, these are the folks who fill in for the Country Bear Jamboree Band when the individual bears are off doing their solo projects. They say the bears are all very talented and especially kind, and Brother Ted's corn jug lessons start by emptying the corn jug, if you know what I mean. True story. <laughs> wow.
1: Okay. <laughs> Again, you know just I, I just love this portion of the show. I learn
0: so much. It's an, it's it's what we call edutainment. Edutainment. All right, on to the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, the trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Jim Big News out of Disney this week is that Bob Chapek's contract has been extended for 3 years. And he was over at Epcot earlier this week as well. And Jim, I've started hearing rumors that Bob and team might be looking at domestic park projects in the near future. What do you think about that? I had been hearing the same thing. I mean, you and I had talked about
1: whether or not... Bob was in fact going to get a contract renewal, but mm-hmm. things were looking a little strange with the stock price and that sort of thing. And I've actually heard that the stock price factored into this, that there was a concern, at least at the board, that if they decided to look at a, a new candidate, the potential here is that they could do more damage to the stock. So right. it, the notion was, okay, just stay the course. In fact, I've been working on trying to track down what Bob Iger and Michael Eisner's first contract renewals were. And I want to say that Bob's was five and and Michael's might've been four. So three is a bit on the low side. Hmm. But on the other hand, the fact that they are supposedly looking to focus on stateside park projects, that's a good thing. Yeah. Now, can they be quickly produced stateside stuff?
0: Don't know. Yeah. I think we've talked on uh, previous shows uh, when we're looking at downtime where, you know, it's my guess is that each park needs two more headliner attractions i don't know that we're going to see anything like that but you know one more would be nice and i think uh you know some of the the basis of the rumor that bob and team are looking at domestic park projects has to be Mm -hmm. the fact that they don't have anything in the pipeline right now that we know of right
1: no, absolutely, and and at the same time, even with the you know Lake Nona now getting the can kicked till 2026, yeah, that doesn't change the fact that Epic Universe, I mean, I still going to open he, in
0: 2025, right? Yeah, our
1: buddy bio reconstructors have been doing an amazing job flying over the site, and steel is going up. Land, yeah. they are yeah. not kidding around. No, they've so. got uh, they've got roller coaster track already on site. Mm-hmm. Yep, that coupled with paving the parking lot. So this thing's moving. And yeah. it's just sort of like, maybe walk around Epcot a little faster, Mr. J. Beck, and, and maybe some some quick yeses.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. All right, uh, other news from Walt Disney World. Uh, Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique is reopening August 25th in both Walt Disney World and Disneyland. And the Harmony Barbershop is reopening July 31st in the Magic Kingdom. Jim, not a coincidence that these reopenings mm-hmm. come after the wide availability of COVID vaccines to children under five. So that's Very great yeah, great news. Mm-hmm. Also, Jim, I have a haircut appointment at the barbershop on August 4th, much to the relief of my long-suffering wife, Laurel. My last haircut was March 16th, 2020. So almost two and a half years ago.
1: Oh, but Len, you'll lose all your strength. <laughs> <Get over> the- <laughs> I
0: don't know about that. I think uh, it's it, it's that or uh, start sleeping in a separate bedroom. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice the hair. Ah, strength is overrated. Never mind. Okay. (laughs) schmear. exactly. (laughs) Yes,
1: I say that from having miles and miles of forehead.
0: But anyway, (laughs) go on. All right. Our friends over at uh, WDWMagic.com are reporting that Hollywood Studios will not bring back their Christmas holiday show, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bam. While the show had been suspended, uh, recent speculation, Jim, and I'd love your take on this is that the studios is going to be bringing back Fantasmic during the second half of 2022, and Disney might not want anything else to compete with that. What do you think?
1: Also, remember, how many projection shows does Disney Hollywood Studios have? I yeah. mean, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bam is one of, I want to say, three or four that they have in yeah. rotation. So if they they rest it for a year. Yeah. Also, don't get me look wrong, I love Lanny and Wayne the two prep and landing elves that drive the show there but mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've got a new prep and landing special so yeah. maybe taking that out of rotation for a while is not a bad thing
0: yeah for uh, a refreshing of that would uh, would also be good and, and the fantastic thing makes sense too mm-hmm. also you don't want uh, too many projection shows to compete with one another to your point so the uh, the thousand points of light thing that they're doing at, uh, at each of the parks you know i think the one that the studios is great so uh um yeah and maybe local. maybe that's it and, and let's not forget of of that
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: we knew what you meant. Like. I know, I Again,
1: know. you're nervous. You're going to be losing the hair soon. Just, just hang in there. You'll be fine. All right. Um, also, remember, they have that Christmas themed projection show they do on Tower of Terror. Yeah. well. And
0: so I was thinking, yeah. So there's there's plenty of projection stuff going on at the studios. And mm-hmm. with Fantasmic, I understand not adding one more thing to the mix. It could just get lost. So that, that kind of makes sense.
1: No, no. Absolutely.
0: Also, WDW Magic is reporting that Disney's considering expanding the park reservation system to require reservations to park hop. So right now you can park hop after two o'clock without Mm -hmm. a reservation. Um, The advantage would be removing the current 2 p.m. start time for park hopping. So you could park hop earlier than 2 p.m. But the downside, of course, is that guests will need to make multiple park reservations per day to park hop. And that's kind of surprising because... Anyone who's listened to the show for the last couple of weeks knows Mm -hmm. that Disney is sending out very specific surveys asking guests about the park reservation system. In fact, our friend Sandy just sent in a sample question from a survey earlier this week about annual passes and reservations. And the question was this, please rate the appeal of the following attributes of the Walt Disney World annual pass holder program. And the scale goes from not very appealing to extremely appealing. One of them was Mm -hmm. advanced reservations required. And of course, Sandy, and I think every sentient being who has an annual pass, said not very appealing. Mm -hmm. And to go along with that, we got this email from our friend Lennon who said, hey, we just completed an eight-day trip. And I personally saw someone get turned away from Epcot while we were entering the Mm -hmm. park. A woman was walking back from the box office telling a group that they couldn't get in. And all I could do was wonder if they had already bought their tickets, and I hoped they didn't pay for parking to get in. So, Jim, I'm pretty sure that regular guests feel the same way that Sandy, our annual passholder, uh, did. Is this a case where Disney's just getting so much economic benefit from staffing efficiencies with the reservation system? That terrible survey results just don't matter.
1: I wonder if it's more a case of on the economic side of the equation, they're seeing great financial returns. On the other hand, the people who are on the ground in the park, the folks who were working at the turnstiles, are seeing these miserable guest experiences. And I feel like they're data gathering to bring this... To the parks, products, products, and experience, people are going. You don't understand what's happening. These yeah. people are going home and talking to their friends. Yeah. This is bad word of mouth. This is going to bite us in the ass two, yeah. three, four years down the line. Yeah. And we need to address this now.
0: the The problem is, is and we've we saw this with the original FastPass Plus system, is that you can't mm-hmm. quantify that in the short term. But no. So, but you can quantify the staffing efficiencies. So mm-hmm. it's a case of like. One side saying we're saving X millions of dollars a year in staffing efficiencies and the other side saying, but guests don't like it, but they can't put a number on that. It's a, it's a tough, tough, tough argument to make, you know, without the numbers, especially to your point, if the downside is a couple years from now, right? Yeah. Disney, might, Disney might say, hey, you know, if Bob Chapek builds two new headliner attractions per park, people will put mm-hmm. up with the reservation system to come back and ride the rides. That's a dangerous set of dice to roll, yeah. especially again, Epic Universe. Epic Universe, exactly. Because, yeah. you know, yeah.
1: We are now, Len, three years out from that opening. Yeah. In the perfect storm, all of these people who've gone home and talked to all of their friends about the miserable experience they had trying to get in and out of Disney's theme parks, the mm-hmm. reservations, and, and now this mm-hmm. notion of, oh, you can't even park hop. You know, you got to right. book that in advance. That's a bad thing to have with the calendar ticking and with your rival down the street building a new state-of-the-art park. Yeah, it's just n- not, not-,
0: not a great poker hand to play, right? No. Fair enough. All right, uh, Jim, one other uh, bit of news. The Brightline train service to Disney Springs has been canceled. This would have been a station that connected Tampa, Orlando, West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami with Disney Springs. But Disney Springs was always an odd spot for a station because Mm -hmm. guests coming in from Orlando International Airport would still have needed a car or a bus to get from Disney Springs to their Disney hotel. So it's, it's like the last mile problem that's common in any sort of network based infrastructure i mean sure. disney could have stationed buses at the brightline station at whatever time the train was supposed to arrive each day mm-hmm. to take passengers from disney springs to their disney hotels but that's that's a whole bunch of added expense and disney probably looked at that and said why do we want to recreate magical express mm-hmm. right and it's unlikely that even if disney was going to charge for the service that enough people would be willing to pay for both brightline train and disney bus service to get to the resort because a car service is cheaper and faster even if it's worse for traffic in the environment, so it's going to be interesting to see what Brightline does here. And they say that as someone who's taking Amtrak to Miami this weekend, Jim, is I heard the um, the the Brightline will stop though at the international at an international drive station and the convention center, which again, not you know, we're turning this into an Epic Universe show inadvertently, but you know, that's going to be much closer to Epic Universe and the you know, I'm assuming you know the Epic Universe hotels.
1: The whole point of playing poker is you don't hand the other guy, oh, this is a good card. (laughs)
0: Let's not go (laughs) fish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Remember when you talk with people at Disney and they go, well, this is the five-year plan. This is the 10-year plan. This is the 20-year plan. And this, you know, right now we are, well, this is the plan out ahead of the next earning call. We'll let you know (laughs) what the plan is after that, after we see where the stock is.
0: Yeah. (sighs) uh, Their long-term planning extends through lunch. (laughs) Fair. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Do I have to decide about dessert now? Could, can, can we wait a few minutes?
0: <laughs> we're need to send out a survey first about lunch. There we go. And speaking of surveys, Jim, before we move on to surveys and listener questions, you wanted to correct something we said on last week's show at Saratoga Springs?
1: Last week, we were doing the walk around of Saratoga Springs Resort, and I mentioned they have their lovely new lobby welcome center area in the carriage house. Uh, in fact, went down for four months of rehab last year, reopened in October 2021, and I mentioned in the lobby, there are these these giant paintings of Disney horses, and I use that as a jumping-off point to tell the story of Snowball, mm-hmm. who, which would, you know, Judge Claude Frollo's horse in the, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and how Disney, for a time, just the animators to amuse themselves, every time a villain had a horse, that horse's name was Snowball. <laughs> so, for example, Shan Yu in Mulan, that the horse he rode down the hillside during the hunt chart, that was Snowball. Sure. And likewise, is Governor Ratcliffe originally entered Pocahontas uh, coming up to the deck of the Mary Constance, the boat they took to the New World. He was riding a horse, you know, and again, it was going to be called Snowball. The horse was going to look as pompous as he did. But then they decided, well, you know, he's a member of King uh, James's court and someone of that position wouldn't ride a horse. They'd ride in a carriage. So that Snowball hit the floor of the cutting room. But the thing of it is, is that I mentioned this Snowball story because there was a, oh, painting of a black and white horse in the lobby that I thought was uh, judge for horse, horse. And it's like, and the nice folks who work there in the lobby there, uh, Richard said, well, no, that's actually Angus. That is Merida's horse from mm. Brave. So the snowball story is true. The The setup for the story is wrong. On the other hand, the other horses there in the lobby, we have Philippe from Beauty and the Beast. We have Maximus. We also have Baby Pegasus from Hercules. Maximus, of course, is from Tangled. And then we have some kind of obscure Disney horses. We have Fru-Fru from the Aristocats and Destiny, from Disney's Enchanted, which I'm sure nobody remembers because that's the horse that James Marsden's Prince Edward character rode for like 30 seconds in Disney's Enchanted. But interesting way that Disney synergy works. I was told that that painting was put in the lobby of Saratoga Springs because literally the day they greenlit the project to, okay, we're going to redo the lobby, you know, the Welcome Center over at this DVC, was when the company announced that they were finally going through with the long delayed sequel to Enchanted Disenchanted. Uh, So, (laughs) which, by the way, debuts on Disney Plus November 24th of this year.
0: Oh, that's going to be huge!
1: Yep. So, story was true. The news that started the story was wrong. But, okay, so now, okay, yeah, Angus, not Snowball. Well, it's, just funny, it's, correct-
0: it's funny you mentioned yep. that because Hannah texted me, my daughter, mm. that yep. uh, Angus was the name of the, uh, the horse in Brave. And I responded, you know, because I'm, mm. I'm a dad who's supposed to know everything, that yep. if you translate Angus in Scottish Gaelic, the dialogue that is in, in the movie, that, uh, that actually turns out to say Snowball. <laughs> Thanks for being my quarterland. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's sometimes a very lonely place.
0: You know, right. that's like, <laughs> and she did respond after that. So I was like, yeah, you know, we, know. we learned something here. I learned that yeah, I can it. lie to my daughter, and she learned not to trust me. There you go. There we go. Life lesson 101. Exactly, so. exactly. All right, on to surveys. Uh, Jim, two mm. different listeners, Kathy mm. and Ken, also got dining surveys related to their visit to the Grand Floridian Cafe. And remember, we had read a similar survey from our listener, Phil a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago about the Grand Floridian Cafe. And I, ri- I originally thought that Disney was sending out surveys for all of its sit-down resort restaurants, but we've now got three from the Grand Flow and nothing from any other restaurant. So now I'm thinking, Jim, that Ooh. Disney's sending out these surveys because they want to do something somehow to the Grand Floridian Cafe. What do you think?
1: Correct me if I'm wrong. We've got the library that went with the beauty and the beast mm-hmm. redo. And is it, Citrus that, that did the. the uh, Citrus did
0: the Mary Poppins, the, right? Mary Poppins, yeah.
1: yeah. Ooh, okay. And we have our, our Alice in Wonderland water play outside.
0: Oh God! What IP is going into the Grand Flow now, Len? <laughs> I think it's I think it's uh, it's going to be the Tomorrowland of resorts where you put things in there that uh, that don't fit anywhere else. Well, can't wait for the Zootopia quick service. <laughs> that's fantastic. You you you, <laughs> you laugh at that, but I was Laurel and I spent the weekend at one of the cabins at Copper mm-hmm. Creek, uh, which was lovely. By the way, I think that's actually the best resort room in Walt Disney World. The uh, the Copper Creek cabins, I think they're fantastic. And I could even beautiful. squint my eyes and say, like, it's probably mm. worth the money. But mm-hmm. we did, um, we did the the tour of the wilderness lodge. You know, the one hour tour that starts. Oh, at, fantastic! Just mm-hmm. the most, the most amazing thing. Spent a lot of time talking about you know Walt's connection to lodges and you mm-hmm. know the overall design and what the imagineers you know were thinking. But one of the interesting things is we went into Artist Point. And the guide was telling us how, you know, it's designed like, you know, American lodges of the West and so on and so Mm -hmm. on. And then there was this pause where like, yeah, and yeah, we're doing uh, Snow White here. And I was like, isn't, isn't Snow White a Bavarian story? And and the look I got was like, "Uh, be quiet, kid. You're bothering me. (laughs) He he glossed over it really well. and, And the way that he, that he said it was like, yeah, we get this question a lot. So yeah, kind of fun, but great tour, great tour.
1: Did they take you up on the roof? I mean, I mean, mind you, again, I'm dating myself. I did this tour. I the resort opened in '94, thereabouts, right? And yeah. they, they used to take you up to the roof, and you, you could look over the roof line, you know, out into Seventh Seas Lagoon and over to the Kingdom. Did they still include that? Or we
0: we didn't. And the interesting thing was looking back at that because I, I thought we were going to do it. We didn't hmm. go anywhere that involved stairs. Uh, so I think it's an accessibility thing. yeah. You know, okay. But we did go all around the resort. And it was, you know, it was supposed to be an hour. And I think we ended up, and it was just four or five of us on the tour. I think we ended mm-hmm. up at 90 minutes and could have gone two hours you know, if we wanted oh. to. It was just that level of detail. Spent a lot of time talking oh. about Walton trains and stuff like that. But it was yeah, it was, overall, it was a great tour. If you've got uh, you know, a morning free, uh, mm-hmm. maybe after breakfast at uh, Whispering Canyon, you need some time to digest. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's really good. Great tour. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, uh, going back to surveys, our friend Laura just got back from a Disney cruise, and her post-trip survey included this question that we've never seen before. The question is this, please rate your level of satisfaction with each of the places you may have used to research adding points to your membership with Disney Vacation Club. And so um, so the level of satisfaction ratings go from excellent to poor, and also there's an option for I haven't used this right? Mm-hmm. Non-Disney social media and Laura rated the information or satisfaction with those places. Very good information in an official Disney app as just good information on the DBC website. Just good. Other non-Disney websites. Excellent. <laughs> Disney social media. Just okay. Videos on the Disney vacation club website. Good. And then, uh, everything else Disney related. We didn't use or visit in the last month. So the interesting thing here is that Laura rated the non-Disney information sites Better than the Disney information sites, Jim. What do you think Disney's looking for here?
1: I remember we've talked recently, uh, you know, about how terrible you know the Disney tech side is, mm. and with all of the cookies that get placed. You know, particularly yeah. if you're somebody who, who think about it, a DVC member is also somebody who's doing Shop Disney, who's also yeah. you know probably paying attention to the parks blog, you know, and so on and so forth. And the notion that, well, how are you doing? How what are you getting for info? And you. Don't write a survey like this if you're not looking for an answer. And you got to wonder if somebody on the tech side is like, you know, we got to do something. We got to step up our game, guys. In fact, this kind of reminds me of the moment where Disney was standing outside of what was going online in regard to the Disney fan sites, and mm-hmm. it's like, we need to be in this space. Yeah, I think so. And we saw that's where D23 came from. So, right. you know, the whole notion of, okay, how are we doing? Not great, or at least not as good as the non-Disney sites. So it's like, okay, time to step it up. Time to revamp and do a better job here.
0: So we will we'll know this is true if we start mm-hmm. seeing non-Disney social media promoting DVC more. True. Yeah. Okay, good point. All right, valid. All right, so that's a good theory. Let's uh, let's watch that and see what happens. Okay. All right, we've got time for one quick listener question. This one is from Josh, who says, when is Disney going to sell annual passes again? We have a trip in February of 2023 and another in October. Being DBC members, the Sorcerer's Pass makes the most sense for us and saves us money. But I don't know if that option will be available to us before then. So, Jim, Mm -hmm. you saw the news that Disney briefly displayed annual passes for sale on the website this week, but guests who tried to actually buy it got an error message when paying for them. Disney later said that the offer itself was an error and should not have happened. So I don't think we're going to see annual pass sales earlier than mid-August when people start going back to school. If we do see it in the next 75 days, my theory is that they would only be offered if Disney looks at future bookings and sees that they're down significantly and Disney thinks it'll need more people in the parks and try and make it up with locals. What do you think?
1: I think you are not wrong here. I mean, I think, you know, if you factor in the surveys that we've seen just over the past four weeks or or thereabouts where it's, you know, tell us how we did with the 50th anniversary, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) Do we look fat in these jeans? Yeah. (laughs) There we go. I am getting the sense that... They're not, I mean, just for example, the stuff that they've had to do, like, did you see the Harmonious Live thing last week? I heard it was, I heard it was good. Yes, but think about it. When's the last time that, you know, Disney launched a show back in October? Yeah. And, okay, maybe we need something to reintroduce and perhaps turn around the reputation of of this show. And so the the notion of, hey, let's let's do the, the Lagoon show and feature live music, the yeah. sort of thing that guests will never actually get. Never expensive. actually
0: see, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I like the idea. I'm, I'm happy that the show w- was well-received on television. The, absolutely the thing that is not pointed out to guests is that disney's cameras were situated in the one perfect spot for that show and that virtually every other vantage point not near there is you is not good you simply won't see many of the show mm. elements right that's the reality that most guests are going to get and it's kind of maybe it's one of the reasons why we you know we and and other people provide balance and critique to to mm-hmm. Disney right so to tell people like yeah, you know Disney is is advertising this but this is the reality right so mm-hmm. you know I'm glad I'm glad the show was re- well received I don't think people who haven't seen the show and saw that are going to get the same experience but that's another bridge to cross later on there we go the best case scenario is that more people come to Epcot to see the show and that allows disney to invest more in the show right so maybe that's Mm -hmm. the the upside that we should hope for i agree i agree but at the
1: same time again just to circle back to this whole ap thing Mm -hmm. yeah i mean realistically you know we will know headed into the fall what happens
0: here and do
1: we have any dates sold out yet for mickey's not so scary
0: or i don't know um you know my guess is the the first and the last days will always sell out first but the rest of them no no i mean i don't think so yet
1: Okay, well, yeah. we should maybe eyeball that. that. That might be a good indication of what's going on with the mouse going into the fall.
0: Good point. So, good point. All right, we'll look mm-hmm. at that. That's a good idea. All right, okay. folks, mm-hmm. we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim tells us how Disney converted Norway's Maelstrom ride into Frozen ever after. So put on your princess pants and we'll be right back. Now for a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How did it
1: get to be July already? Man, this year is just flying by. It was Memorial Day five minutes ago, and and Labor Day is right around the corner. So if you're actually going to get in that summer road trip you've been talking about, now's the time to start planning. Of course, if you're really going to hit the road this year, you're going to want to get in that pre-trip check, run your car by the garage first, and make sure that it's actually up for a long trip before you then hit the road. That said... You know, it's always struck me funny that people will take so much better care of their cars than they do their own bodies. I mean, it's not like you can trade that in for a newer model. By the way, if you're looking for ways to be better to your body, to be specific here, to be kinder to your mind, might I suggest BetterHelp? BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. More to the point, BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Look, uh, we're living in especially stressful times. And if you're honestly having trouble handling all that, BetterHelp is here to help. By the way, did I mention that our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com/disneydish. That's B E T T E R Help.com/disneydish. We thank them for sponsoring today's episode. It's the new year, people—a time when we all set goals for ourselves, plan on finally getting around to those tasks that we've been putting off for weeks, maybe even months. And in my case, I am loath to admit this, but I suffer from too many subscription syndrome. When you're an entertainment writer and for work, you need to watch shows on Disney+, and Netflix, and Paramount+, and Hulu. It's kind of a necessary evil. But that said, one of my goals for 2022 is to thin the herd, which is where Truebill comes in. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgotten about. I know, I know. A lot of companies make it hard to cancel subscriptions. That's what's great about Truebill. They make this process incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Let me tell you folks, making use of this app can be incredibly lucrative. The average user saves $720 a year by using Truebill. Don't believe me? Listen to what Truebill user Becca L. had to say hands down, the best financial app I discovered. In my first week, I opened up $187 in unused recurring subscriptions. I'm obsessed. I never want to manage finances without Truebill again. So if you'd like to join the more than 2 million Truebill members who are taking back financial control, go to the App Store or Google Play today and download Truebill today for free. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today with Truebill.com slash Dish. Go right now. Truebill.com slash DisneyDish. It could save you thousands a year. Tonight,
0: only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Norway's Milstrom ride was one of those things that could only happen in World Showcase. Interesting you say that, Len, because,
1: <laughs> you know, it damn near didn't happen. Oh. They had an agreement, an agreement in hand to build a a Scandinavian-themed pavilion. Now, mind you, this was not just Norway. Mm -hmm. This was Norway, Denmark, and Sweden that that was going to celebrate the three countries. And they were so convinced that this was going to happen that they actually, between Mexico... And China, they built a Scandinavian-themed standalone bathroom line. This was like they planted the flag, you know, for like, okay. Really? Very soon, we are going to start construction. But literally weeks before Epcot opens in October of 84, the deal falls through. Now, mind you, they've already built the toilets, all right? But there is, you know, it's like, oh, great. We have our Scandinavian-themed bathroom. But no Scandinavian theme pavilion. So as we we continue our march forward here, Epcot had a ride problem from day one, especially for four guests who were coming over to book their Walt Disney World vacations and gone to the Magic Kingdom and came over to Epcot and it's like the films are lovely and the countries are amazing and the pavilions, but where are the rides? Yeah. There just aren't enough rides here. And as eighty two gives way to eighty three, you know Epcot ends, enters its first year and and first. Disney, after announcing they're going to do the, the Meet the World show as part of the Japanese pavilion, that falls off the table. Um, mind you, a version of the ride opens in Tokyo Disneyland in April of 83 and runs through 2002. But they went as far as building the show building. Lynn. In fact, that's where that, that art, the gallery space uh, inside the pavilion, that's the lobby for the theater. Yeah, that was supposed to house meet the world. Uh, meanwhile, over at the German Pavilion, the also the previously announced Rhine River Ride. Uh, you mm, know that was ac- yeah. actually featured in the concept art. They built yeah. the thing. That's particularly frustrating about the German Pavilion is they built the entrance. You used to, in fact, when you walk up to go to the the beer garden to the right, to there, the right, yeah,
0: this giant archway that looks like hey,
1: this could fit a couple thousand people an hour through it. There we go. And that falls off the table as well. And so now – and and the only thing that's getting built is uh, Morocco, which okay. which again, is lovely uh, largely because you know, the king of Morocco sends actual artisans over from his country to do <laughs> the tile work and, and
0: a lovely dinner theater show but no ride. By the way, uh, uh, have you seen the concept art for a revamped Morocco restaurant? I'll send it to you if not. Ooh, none of us. Please yeah. send
1: that along. All right, okay. um, All right.
0: I'm not saying okay. that it's going to happen. I'm just saying there might, there might be a concept. Art. Well,
1: All again, right. we, this is the world we live in. Yeah, <laughs> so. Ooh, look at that. Hey, look at that island in the sky thing. That would be cool <laughs> at Epcot. I, I bet that would be fun. When's right. that coming?
0: All right. So uh, Morocco, no ride either.
1: OK. That's September of 84. October of that same year. Ron Miller is out of head of Disney and here comes Michael Eisner and at Imagineering, hey, we got a new boss (laughs) and our new boss. One of the things he's been told coming through the door by the Bass Brothers is like, you need to do something about Epcot. You need to improve that place. So uh, here's Marty Scalar and here's Randy Bright, the, the the creative heads of Imagineering at that time. And it's one of these moments where, okay, brand new boss trying to impress him, Not a moment to reinvent the wheel then. So it's like, okay, I know we got a no out of the folks at Scanshow. And that, that, by the way, was the corporation that got set up for the Norway, Sweden, and Denmark version of the Scandinavian Pavilion. But it's like, hang on, let's just revisit all the folks who were part of that and see if maybe somebody now wants to do a standalone pavilion, not a Scandinavian, mm. pavilion, but, you know, for their specific country. And as it turns out, Marty and, and Randy's instincts were correct. The folks in Norway uh, were like, yeah, okay. You know, we, we could be up for the idea of doing a Norway specific pavilion. So uh, the folks who came in on this project were Norsk Data, Norway Food, Den Norsk Credit Bank, the Vesta Group, and Vard. Oh. I love that is a name for a company, Len. Vard. Vard, you Vard, know, you know, <laughs> There we go. Oh, can you imagine uh, the T-shirts and the logo you could get from that? All right. All right, so negotiations literally begin spring of 85. And by uh, December that same year, formal contracts are signed and the newly constituted corporation Norshow, that stands for Norway, a uh, Norwegian Showcase, uh, and replace the the previous Scan show the the corporation for the Denmark, uh, Sweden, and Norway pavilion, and they agreed to put up thirty million dollars to underwrite the construction of a Norway pavilion. Okay. Not coincidentally, Land. they decide they're going to put the Norway pavilion over by the Scandinavian bathrooms. You know, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And by the way, two million of that thirty million dollars came straight from the Norwegian government, and, oh, and with okay. the. But with the understanding that any cost overruns, anything additionally that was going to be spent on this pavilion was coming out of Disney's
0: pocket. Norway's uh, riding high on that sweet, sweet oil revenue, right? We're going to get to that one, but thank oh, you for okay. bringing that up. All right, okay. okay. This is kind of a gamble, Disney agreeing to pick
1: up you know, what could be a considerable cost beyond 30 million to build this pavilion, which again, has to have a ride. The execs who are running UpCut at this point are already aware of the $500,000 worth of figment plush that this theme park is now selling on an annual yeah, basis. Yeah, right so out of the gate, half a million dollars, right? That's yeah. it, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we need another revenue stream like that. So mm-hmm. we need a ride for this park mm-hmm. that's going to have a character that we can send people into the post-show shop and buy. So it's okay. All right. So we need cute. We need cute. And at the same time, we need to understand that people are coming over to Epcot from the Magic Kingdom. So they're looking for like a Magic Kingdom like experience. So it's like, okay. So, from a capacity point of view and a popularity point of view, boat ride. You know, we do sure. Let's look at a boat ride. And oh, Viking boats. This is all right. This attraction is riding itself. We need a song about Leif (laughs) Erikson. Well, no, very interesting you bring up song, all right? Because, again, the very best Disney uh, theme park attractions – yeah, a lot of them feature music by the Sherman Brothers. Sure. So what they do is they're initially okay. It's got to be cute. Yeah. You know, let's look at Nor- Norwegian folklore and it's like trolls, <laughs> what, trolls and norms. What you rhymes know. with herring? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, many different herrings. Um. But but yeah, what ends up happening is that they zero in this troll thing and sure. they decide, okay, let's do pirates only. Let's do it in reverse. Instead of you know starting the show off by sliding down. The the waterfall, let's go, we'll we'll load up to the second floor and save our sliding down the waterfall for our climax. And then uh, let's do it different. You know, let, let, let's put a little spin on our, our pirates, you know, idea. Let's have them slide backwards. Oh. So they turn to Joe Roddy, who is five years into what will eventually be his 30-year career right. at Walt Disney Imagineering. So he's designing the show scenes for this troll ride. And again, they bring the Sherman Brothers in and they show them a concept art and the model and they explain the concept for the ride is that guests would be traveling in viking boats past fantastical scenes featuring norwegian gnomes and trolls okay. but just before their vessel is about to travel over the rainbow bridge and enter valhalla they are then magically sent backwards over the falls to return to the human realm so uh, th- th- that was supposed to be the moment uh, so wait a minute you can't you're humans you can't enter valhalla get out of here and you know you you slide backwards Sherman Brothers love what they see. They go off to write the music for the troll ride, which is what it's being called in-house at this point. And so what happens, Led? How did we go from a troll ride to the Maelstrom and then to Frozen and I got this story directly from Marty Scalar. Okay. okay. It's it's literally a day or so after the Sherman Brothers have gone to 1401 Flower Street. And this is, you know, they've been shown the model, they've shown the concept art, go off and write your song. Right after them, the representatives from Nor Show, again, the corporation, yep. the Norwegians who, who are going to underwrite this thing, they fly into LA and then they come over to WDI to check on the progress and what's going on with the, the, the FGAR. And you got to remember that, that they're thinking they're going to break ground in this thing in in May of 86, yep. you know, so contract side in December. And so they just, these guys are just coming in to sign off quick and go home and be happy. And hey, let's take you to Mickey's of Glendale and get you a t-shirt. Yep. So the Imagineers are, you know, they, they sit down at the table, they do the presentations and they, as Marty described it. I was looking across at a bunch of very jet lagged, very disappointed Norwegians
0: Ooh. who are not naturally
1: happy people. I
0: don't, I don't know. Uh, I've I've been to Norway, and I I don't, I don't know that they're gregarious. I wouldn't call them that. But okay, okay, they all seem to you be know, pretty pretty pleased with Norway in themselves. I mean, and I mean that in a good I, way, right? I mean, they no, 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 they no. seem happy. I, right?
1: I, I'm I, sorry. I may be confusing my Scandinavians here. You the i or, or, yeah. there we go. <laughs> I, I, too many Ingmar Bergman films where people are playing chess with death.
0: <laughs> that was the, um, that was the dark period. But this is this is kind of understandable because if you mm-hmm. reduce a you know a country like Norway to mm-hmm. icons like trolls, yep. it's like someone outside the United States saying, "Well, we're gonna do a ride based on America." Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to use characters from Hee Haw, which, you know, might be funny and it might be cute. And there might be an element of of history there, mm-hmm. but it's a big place and not. You, no, no,
1: like, no, no Lenny you nailed it one. I, That's and I exactly, mentioned, mentioned
0: Hee Haw because I'm yeah. watching now the, uh, Laurel and I are watching the Love Boat season mm-hmm. seven or season, end of season six, where it's actually country jamboree with like, I think, I think everyone from Hee Haw is actually on the cruise. Did Junior Sample turn up? You know, Junior Sample's like, on it, yeah. Ow, oh, great. Okay, I got to see this episode. All right. All right. So Marty's at this meeting, and he's got a, bu- yeah. a bunch of unhappy Norwegians across from him.
1: And he's like, well, look, you knew that we wanted to do a ride as part of this pavilion. And, and I think we mentioned that we were going to do it around Norwegian folklore, especially yeah. the Tales of Only Trolls. And the folks from Norshaw were like, well, yes, you did say that, but we didn't think the ride would feature this many trolls <laughs> and you made it look as Norway is overrun with trolls and, and we're a modern country. You know that, right? And, and so Marty, he's sitting at a conference room table, and he senses the funding for the Norwegian mm-hmm. pavilion yeah. slipping
0: away. <laughs> the kroner slipping away, yeah.
1: Yeah, all right. And so Marty, you know, reaches for the yellow legal pad. Your graduate, well, all right, you know, it, it's only a model. And it, yeah. if you're not happy, uh, we can incorporate some changes. And you know, So what would you like <laughs> folks like to see? It, it, it's a right for the Norway pavilion. And he, he so he goes around the table taking suggestions from the folks at, or show who want Norway to be seen is a, a modern country. So, sure. lend, you know, as you just mentioned earlier, you know that that oil. So they they want an oil rig, they want their their fishing fleet, which is second to none right. in, in the North Sea. They want their natural uh, beauty, so the yeah. fjords. Likewise, uh, wildlife. So they want polar bears and and puffins. And are you a fan at
0: all of the show Futurama? I've watched it. It's not. It's not. You know, I haven't seen every episode, but uh, okay. Well, the, parts there's of the there's.
1: There's one... Uh, the, the, I think it's actually the first official real episode of the show mm-hmm. after the pilot, and it's basically they have to make a delivery to the moon, get uh, you know, a, a, a planet express, and while they're there, they go to visit the theme park on the moon. And, and Bender, the robot, you know, in, in the show, actually gets t- thrown out of the park for, for misbehaving, and so he's like, "I'm going to build my own theme park with hookers and blackjack, and ah, forget the theme park, you know." Just <laughs> <laughs> Polar bears and the, muffins. Forget, forget no, the that's a, ah, forget about the theme part, and, oh and that's a thing. So you know, here's Marty sitting with this list, and he said, "Okay, thanks, guys. I will take your suggestions to the Imagineer, and we'll we'll retool the concept, and sure. you know, show it to you out ahead of the groundbreaking on and, <laughs> and on May of this year. Right? That's still a thing, right? Okay, good. Um, and so he goes back to. Um, you know, to, to Joe and the team and just the effect of throws these down to the table and they, they want a fee or they want, you know, they want a modern fishing fleet. They want an oil rig. And they then realize that 75% I, and, and by the way, the Norwegians are a very polite
0: people. Yep. So
1: at the end of the meeting, it's like, well, you can have some trolls.
0: They're a small country surrounded by uh, Europe, uh, other small countries, and mm-hmm. uh, you know Russia, and also you know, at the time the Soviet Union. And also, mm-hmm. you know, they they, but they're a Western country, so they're used to not being the biggest voice in the room.
1: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, I
0: understand the the learned behavior of compromise. Right? They're they're used go. to that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, again, they're headed out there to say, say some trolls and <laughs> some okay, trolls. some trolls and okay, <laughs> and d- a handful of Vikings. You know, d- I mean, because you, credit you, for for offering the compromise. I mean, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you're a Joe and you've spent months designing cute little troll scenes and you know the the, yeah. the, the Rainbow Bridge to Valhalla and all that, and it suddenly it's like, what do we do now? And so, how does Epcot's Troll Ride become Sea Venture? Oh, oh, by the way, Lynn, that's C-Venture? the original. That's the original name of Maelstrom. In fact, when the Norway Pavilion officially opened in June of 88, the marquee over the entrance of the Maelstrom still said Sea Venture. Did it really? Uh, It it would not get changed out till the attraction opened later that same summer. And how we go from Maelstrom to Frozen, we will touch on that on the very next uh, Disney dish. But again, I love the whole, you know, just the notion of... The troll ride, we almost... And in fact, the the thing that kills me to mm-hmm. this day is you still exit through the gift shop right? that was designed and in place. And in fact, it still does sell trolls. You know, yeah. it's, a, yeah, it's, it's just funny. Trolls, thing. Yeah. It's like, hey, look at these really cute trolls. Don't you want to bite them just like figment? You know <laughs> and then,
0: Well, it's funny. You mentioned that Marty realized what Norway wanted was a travelogue. And remember, after yeah. the Maelstrom ride, there mm-hmm. was a movie where you – you, there, you, you exit Exactly. The, is, yes. So I, I don't want to spoil next week's show, but it seems mm-hmm. like Marty went above and beyond and said, okay, you want to travel log? Like just in case this mm-hmm. ride has not expressed to our guests the fact that Norway is a modern country, why don't we do a quick five-minute film? And you guys can put in everything you want in there, and because the film is cheap, right? Absolutely, but at the same time, the dividends that it paid to yeah.
1: Norway—they, I mean, I—I I, I need to tell you about you know the, the, what was it? The Pavilion opens in '88, and in '88 and '89, yeah. they saw two hundred percent increases in tourism from people in the United States and and supposedly they they would reach out to the people and do after actions like well we saw it at Epcot and it looks so lovely
0: we thought we'd come here I I know I've I've said on the show that I went to the real Norway because of the Epcot Pavilion Norway but what (laughs) I I don't think I've ever told the story of when I was jet lagged and going through immigration in Norway and Mm -hmm. the and they asked what my business was there and me an idiot Not not just saying, you know, pleasure or business, business or pleasure. Mm -hmm. I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a fan of the Norway Pavilion in Epcot and I want to see the real thing. And the, the immigration's officer just did not know how to process that. <laughs> he looked at me with this mixture of like, sadness and contempt, I think, or, or, or confusion. And <laughs> stamped his, stamped well, my no, passport, no. slid it across the desk and motioned me to go on. Did not say another word.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think an alternate explanation, led to the effect of, he said, do I have a stamp for
0: this? Exactly. Where, where in the paperwork <laughs> is this checkbox? Because I'm not know. seeing it. Yeah. There right. you go. So the next episode sounds great. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing it. And uh, as a reminder, uh, I'm on a cruise next week, so it's the Jim Hill Media Hour uh next Yeah. Week, uh,
1: yeah I, I, again, you know, have a lovely time. I I've, I've been watching all of the stuff this week about uh coming off of the the, the first round of press on the Wish and yeah. it looks pretty spectacular, but again, I'll I'll be interested to get, you know, your take on how it is on the other side of the press event. You know, <laughs>
0: Well, they put away the blackjack and the hookers. You know, just sort of like... <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right, folks. That's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please help support our show and Jim Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com, where you'll also find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. You can find more of Jim at JimHillMedia.com and more of me, Lynn at TouringPlans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be joining Henry Rollins live on stage to sing The Bright Blue Rooster at the mini Adkins Day Folk Art Festival next Saturday, July 16th, 2022 at the Little Sandy Lodge just off North Kentucky Route 7 in beautiful downtown Sandy Hook, Kentucky. While Aaron's doing that, please go onto iTunes and Radar Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.